Hello and welcome once again to Wrestling Memories Then and Now on Pioneer 90.1 FM KSRQ online at RadioNorthland.org. And you can uh, check us out on TuneIn. It's an app for your smartphone. It's free. And that's the best thing about it, I think. And the good content they have. Uh, Tune in. You can check that out. You can listen to us live at RadioNorthland.org. You can also listen to past episodes of Wrestling Memories Then and Now. Oh, man, we are in our seventh season. So we got lots of great content. You can check out uh, now later or whenever you know, whenever you get the chance i'm glenn Broggett, along with my co-host partner in crime back from a well he's always on a fact-finding mission of some sorts uh um the grizzled veteran himself down there in the great state of texas mr michael mccurdy mike 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 welcome back are you ready for another round of wrestling memories Oh, always, man. I always look forward to the show every week and all that. So, but you're right, a little fact-finding uh, fact going on. Got a couple good guests booked up. I think people are going to be uh, very entertained by who we have coming up, as well as who we have on today, too. But uh, I would like to say, though, <clears throat> just throw this out there, our historian for the Wrestling Memories In and Out page posted this on, the, uh, on our Facebook site. Um, at the time of this recording, uh, 21 years ago, uh, Brian Pillman passed. So, you know, one of those People still remember him. A few months ago, we had his uh, son, who's just now starting his career, Brian Pillman Jr., just now starting his wrestling career and all that. So I just kind of wanted to you know, bring that to mention all that, as well as another way people can find us on uh, Wrestling Memories is our new YouTube channel. Oh, we absolutely. YouTube channel, weekly episodes posted every week, as well as a few classics. So I think we got about five videos up there with about 12 subscribers. So, you know, it's a work in progress. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're starting off slow. We got to keep getting the word out. Yes, the YouTube channel, of course, the Facebook pages, the group page, and uh, the uh, the basic uh, official page uh, for Wrestling Memories. Uh, I've been working on some stuff as well. Going to have a, an announcement here forthcoming about a project I'm working on uh, with a guy with a past guest here on Wrestling Memories, and it's going to be an interesting look, uh, you know, through the history of pro wrestling through through the eyes of, of some of these guests that I've lined up, Mike, and uh, it, it's definitely. Uh, Keeping us busy, keeping me busy here uh, in, in wrestling memories. Boy, the memories are just, you know, you, you can find so much by just gleaning off so little. Seventh season may be proven to be the biggest season, man, because we've expanded uh, what we're into with the Facebook and the YouTube and you know all the other social media. So we're, we're turning this into almost a 24-7 job on top of what we normally do. Hey, and we're having a lot of fun uh, doing it as well. So, you know what? I'm going to bring in the guest, uh, Mike, uh, and it's a guest that you've had a chance to meet in person. I have yet to meet him in person, but I've had him on two previous times. Um, we'll, we'll get to you talking with him in just a moment, but i got to give give an intro to uh, our guest uh, this week. He's back for the third time, and we're going to uh, catch up with him. Second-generation uh, superstar. Uh, he's been in uh, the pro wrestling business. You know, aside from growing up in the business, he's been in the ring for well over thirty-five years now, off and on. Uh, he's had a great story. He's had the ultimate road to redemption in his personal life. He's been through the ups, the downs, the highs, the lows, and he's uh, still here to live to tell about it. He's going to update us on what he's been up to. We're also going to share some stuff. Uh, well, she's going to share some history uh, of his time working in Mid-Atlantic uh, Championship Wrestling for, for the Crockett's. Uh, we'll talk about Florida. We'll talk about it. whatever is on this man's mind. Mr. Sam Houston, it's always a big, big, uh, big time when we have you on Wrestling Memories. Welcome back for the third time. You're once, you're twice, you're three times in, my friend. Oh, thank you, man. I appreciate it. Hey, folks out there in Radio Land, this is Sam Houston, and it is certainly my pleasure and honor to be on the show with Mike and Glenn today. 
Uh, I've always had fun when I come on here, and I hope to have fun today. Well, I know I'm going to have fun because I'm going to start it off with some fun. You know, you just said uh, uh, your show is from then and now. Well, i got some stuff for the future, too, baby, so jump on my back, and I'll start take you across the sky on the edge of a lightning bolt. All right. Now, that's the fire. We love to hear from you, Sam. Now, last time we, we caught up with you, or I caught up with you, was around May, and you were working on, uh, it was uh, getting kind of the final uh, things together, lined up for a, uh, an independent showdown in, in Texas, I do believe. It was a benefit show. Uh, that was where we last uh, we left off. Tell us a little bit about that and kind of what you've been up to uh, since, since that point and, and your future stuff, man. You gave us a lot of sizzle here, my friend. Right. Well, uh, a lot of hang on, let me uh, get inside here. The wind's killing me. Now, uh, we, had, we did a show in May, May the 5th, uh, May, May the 5th or 4th, you know, May the 5th for Everly Ledbetter. She's a little, um, uh, she's a little bitty girl, a little girl, four-year-old girl with uh, a form of leukemia, a very aggressive form of leukemia. And it's going to take almost a three-year uh, extensive and 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 I guess brutal uh, cancer treatment, radiation treatments, and everything for, you know, and her mom's a school teacher. I was at the school when her mom retired the other day. So my heart just reaches out to them. And uh, and she's got a, oh gosh, she's got a link out there. It's called Everly Brave. And uh, if any of the fans want to go, go and, and check her out. I mean, she's in a battle for her life, and I just want to help her all the way. Oh, that is- uh, the event went well. Uh, matter of fact, uh, gosh, a week and a half later, I was driving down the road in Gainesville, Texas, and a, and a fella from the road crew come running up to me, pulled me over, and he said, the next time you're wrestling at an event, he said, get a hold of us. We want 40 tickets. I was like, wow, that's cool. You know, so, but we're waiting. We're waiting now to, 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 try, to try to put together our, our, our next shows. It's, uh, right now, it's the beginning of school, and it's hard to get in the gyms and everything else. But the uh, but the event went well. Uh, we didn't we didn't uh, I, I we didn't meet the limits I wanted to meet. Um, but it, it was still all, all in all, everybody got everything they were supposed to get. Um, I, the little girl uh, was taken care of. They were happy. Uh, the, the most important thing was the spark in her her eyes when she got there. It was, I mean, she was excited, you know. He's, uh, and the doctor told us that that's going to be one of the best things for. Her. Speaking of uh, indies uh, down in the great state of Texas, my uh, guest, or my co-host, uh, you're our guest, of course, my co-host Michael McCurdy is uh, no stranger uh, to the Texas Indies, having moved, de- moved down there a couple of years ago. Mike, I'm going to bring you into the conversation not only to talk a little bit about uh, the independence uh, down in the south, especially in the Texas, uh, in, in that area of the country, uh, as well as uh, talk about how you you have uh, actually met Sam in, in person out at the uh, Cauliflower Alley Club. Uh, of course, uh, you've uh, had more than one turn out there at the CAC, but Mike, I want to bring you into the conversation, my friend, and uh, you can uh, talk with Sam and, and talk about how you met with, met up with Sam. All right, well, Sam, once again, man, it's good talking to you. You know, it's been a, you've been a couple months. Uh, last time we talked was the Hall of Fame induction weekend. Right, I got you. Oh, okay, and uh, yeah. Wichita Falls. Yeah, that was kind yeah, of Yeah, Wichita Falls. Yeah, that was fun. I enjoyed it. Yeah, you doing all right? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Thank you. Um, good. One thing I kind of want to talk about, though, 
uh, Glenn and I were discussing this just a little bit before uh, we went on the air, is you also, I, I believe, was also to help raise money for this you know, young girl. You released a CD. Um, you had me listen to a, a song that you had recorded that was it's on YouTube. Yes, it's called Salvation. Um, I'd like to talk a little bit about that, a little bit of kind of the backstory of that song and just kind of how the you know reaction to it's been. Because, I mean, I, I thought it was a great song. I enjoyed listening to it. You know, right there at the uh, Hall of Fame. So, I just got a little backstory well, on that. Well, okay. Um, gosh, you know, I was going through a hard time in my life, uh, and this was oh gosh, in the '90s, and I was uh, stuck here. I was working at the Sportatorium in, uh, in Whitesboro, Texas. I was at my aunt's house one night, and she always went to Wednesday night services, and she lived right across the street in Whitesboro, Texas, for the church. And uh, it was a it was a rainy night that night, and we had to go outside and smoke cigarettes by the by the swing out on the side of the house. And I was I went in there, and you know I was going through a lot of turmoil in my life, a lot of oh just uh, a lot of anguish, a lot of pain, mental, physical, um, emotional, just all kind of things. My life was kind of tore up, and. Uh, Anyway, I, I watched everybody walking into the church, and boy, when they come out, they they were walking happier and, and had pep in them. And I went over there and I talked to the preacher that night, Brother Joe Patterson, and uh, and he led me to Christ that night. And uh, you know, and I, I spent I spent a lot of time that night out of the swing set smoking cigarettes and kind of sitting in the rain. And and uh, I wrote that song that night. You know the first three verses, and then later on, I, I, I didn't do anything with it. I knew I had it. I knew I wanted to do something. I knew one day I'd meet some, somebody that would make something happen. Um, and uh, uh, well, gosh, uh, I went to prison, and then through I guess through the years in prison, I spent the five years there. Uh, and, you know, you've become very observant when you're in surroundings like that. And I was really observing the news and what's going on in the world, you know. And and then I wrote the last verse to the song, In Prison. I've been wanting to do something with it for quite a while, and I never have been able to do anything. Well, Chris Seitz, a friend of mine uh, from St. Louis, made it possible. She... Um, she made it possible and got and produced the song for me. Basically, she paid for the the production and everything. And you know, um, oh, you know, I, I want to do something with it. It's on YouTube now. I didn't want to, I didn't want to put it out there to where you had to pay a dollar or whatever. It's up there on that thing. You you know, you can. But I wanted to give it to people. You know, because it's important. This is your soul, man. This is your everlasting life. This is if if I can help somebody to meet their creator, not you know, not die too soon, but if I can help lead them to the way, or you know, uh, then I want to. You know, it's the best gift you can ever get get given to. What people's reactions been to uh, the song when they've listened to it? Everybody, I have I have not heard. There's only one guy. Uh, the, the the truck stop in Whitesboro, and he was listening to it as a music critic. 
and he, you know, of course, there's the, the in the chorus where my song, my my voice uh, cracks that that time. Uh, but you know, that was his only complaint. Everybody, everybody has been very positive about the message. Uh, they tell me it encourages them. It gives them, it fills them with strength, with hope. You know, and it, it you know, I don't know. I mean, I know how it makes me feel. My my chest swells up, and you know, and I will be a warrior for the Lord. Now, talking about the independent scene, um, Glenn brought it up a little bit. You're still wrestling in the uh, in the independents here in Texas, and obviously there are a lot of independent promotions. You know, some good, some bad. Uh, but we do have a very thriving uh, independent scene here in Texas right now. Um, what are your kind of opinions on? you know, the indie scene here right now in Texas as compared to back in the territory days, you know, when you first started? Well, okay. Well, back then, the little independent things or, you know, the one-hit wonders, they would have been called outlaw groups, not independents. That's what the, you know, the territory would have said, those outlaws are trying to run against us. That would have been their forte. Um, What's my opinion of them? Well, Oh, gosh. Um, when you have nine guys go out there and pretend to be Undertaker, that's too much. You know, when you have, oh, uh, gosh, everybody or, or, let's see, 60% of the card going out with face paint on, that's a little too much. It takes away from the one guy that, you know, should have it. Or, do you understand? Mm-hmm. It's just all too, you know, a lot of it's too much. Everybody wants to go out there and do the do the move they saw on, on Raw Monday night. They want to go out there and do that, and five five matches will go out there and try the same thing. You know? It's too much. Um, you're, you're, someone now, a lot of the independents that I've seen a lot of, you know, the way I'm, the way I'm going to start looking at independent organizations now is not their group of talent. The talent is an individual, uh, you know, each individual piece of talent needs to be looked at, you know, and it needs to be either honed out, a honed down or whittled away. Follow There's me. definitely a good talent. Yes. There's definitely a good talent base uh, here in Texas. You've had a chance to work with a lot of these, uh, uh, these younger guys. You've done a couple benefit shows here in the, uh, Fort Worth area recently, I know. Um, just who are some of the, the the ones out there that you've noticed that you know you've enjoyed working with, or you think have that oh, maybe kind Brent of that it McKenzie, factor? Uh, yeah, that Brent McKenzie, uh, Andy Dalton, gosh, uh, you know, Tim Storm. All these guys are good are good pieces of talent, it, you know. But it, it's kind of like when you when you go to uh, an event just because somebody's tall, you know, I, I don't know. Uh, it, it's just what, when I see there's two or three people trying to be an undertaker at an event, at an event, you know. Well, you've got guys like there's this big fella, uh, Jax Dane. Man, I've watched that guy a couple of times. The guy's got what it takes. Tim Storm's got what it takes. Uh, uh, you know, the, you do have a lot of talent that has it, you know. But w- w- whenever you say independent to me, I think outlaw. And this, you know, um, 
I don't know. You know, it's it, it's kind of like a, I was driving through the Carolinas and, and I saw a poster for an outlaw organization, and they had on the on the poster Blake the Snake Roberts. You know, it was wow. in Monroe, North Carolina. So yes, I stopped in. Blake the Snake. Wow, that that is yeah. one I've never heard. Yeah. Um, oh, they. Oh gosh, they had uh, they had Blake the Snake Roberts. They had. Uh, uh, something, uh, you know, something Dudley, uh, they, you know, any, any way, shape or form they could get something on somebody else's name, somebody that looks, had a little bit of, you know, looking like on my guess. Well, there are a lot of those Dudleys that very well could have been a member of the Dudley family, you know, I mean, there were so many well, of them in Texoma, back in the ECW yeah, the Texoma, days. Yeah, the Texoma guy, uh, Robert Langdon, poor fella. That uh, he hired a uh, an imposter, Spike Dudley, a couple of years back on the off the internet, you know, um, to to be there. This some guy claimed to be Spike Dudley on the internet. They brought him in, and he wasn't. I was there that night. The guy left. You know, he got called out, and he took off. That's another subject we could bring up a little bit: is the internet and the um, advent of social media and everything else. Because now with social media, guys are able to promote themselves in so many different ways than uh, what you did back in the day. Do you think that's kind of a is that is that more of is that a help or is that more of a hindrance with social media kind know. of being so active yeah. the way it is? Yeah, well, the only way you can promote, boy, you've got to be on it or have a crew of people on it for you. I've been having problems with that myself. You know, I've got uh, Sam Houston Fan Nation. Uh, okay, when I first got out of prison, I know nothing about computers. I still know nothing about computers. I mean, I try, you know, and I, I can navigate my phone some, but not, not that great. Um, excuse me. So, you, you know, you've got people that help you, but uh, to do it right, you've got to be able to document just about everything you're doing, you know, uh, for your followers and your fans, and, and I try to, but then, oh, gosh, I got... Uh, not sidetracked. I got uh, I, well, I basically kind of in the train wreck back in July. You know, <clears throat> um, this you were talking. We were talking about my song earlier. This fella uh, from I guess it's called Discord or Twitching or something like that. It's some sort of gaming thing. Anyway, mm-hmm. he put the song out there, and in the first night, I had over. 3,500 hits on it, likes or something, right? So then two nights later, oh, he tells me about this the next night while I'm going to the church. And then the following, which was the Tuesday night, because it was on July 4th, fell on Wednesday. Uh, so it was July the 3rd, he told me about it. And then uh, by that following Saturday night, there was over 10,000 views. And so he got me pulled off into that, Briefly, but we did a lot of other things with that. Now we have, uh, we're starting up a uh, a horse rescue where we're, we're uh, getting horses. We're buying, purchasing horses from slaughterhouses, and then nursing them back to health for for uh, patients. For they can get, they'll be able to go for autistic kids, for cancer patients, and then for the for a project the Wounded Warrior has. 
Oh, well, I'm going to pass the microphone back over to Glenn here for a few minutes. Uh, I, I watch a lot of uh, you know YouTube, and I watch you know WWE Network things like that. And uh, and this year alone, they they've added so much of the uh, classic library uh, for for Mid Atlantic Championship Wrestling. And uh, you know, Sam, you 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 cut your teeth uh, in the Mid Atlantic, and uh, it got me to, to thinking as I'm watching these matches. Uh, you know, I wanted to kind of get your take on uh, breaking in up in, in in the Jim Crockett Promotions territory. First, uh, you, you kind of uh, built your way up in enhancement matches. Uh, talk about just getting into the Crockett Company, and we'll, we'll talk about some of the guys that you had a chance to work with, and we'll also talk about some of your travel buddies too. Uh, let's talk about uh, you because. You you're getting you're getting a lot of exposure now thanks to the WWE network uh, of some of the your matches when you were uh, just a young one back in 1983 a very young wet behind the oh, ears uh, Sam yeah. Houston I was wrestling in Florida I'd been in Florida for 3 months <coughs> Dusty was taking care of Florida <clears throat> Dusty Rhodes got me my first matches when I ran away from home so uh, anyway December the 18th he was having the first annual Orlando Jamboree. He was going to have a big concert at the Eddie Graham Sports Arena. So it was on a, no, it was the 17th, I think. So, yeah, because my, my last day was the next day. Anyway, so the Saturday night before the matches uh, in Orlando, and Boxcar Willie is the headliner. And only 50 people paid to come in. You know, uh, I picked up the band earlier in the afternoon at the airport and drove them over in Dusty's truck uh, over in his Bronco to the sports arena. When I walked in the door with them, Dusty hands me a fifth of Jack Daniels. It's one of those kind of nights. It was one mm -hmm. heck of a party. Well, there was only 50 people there, and oh, there was a lot of people. A lot of people in the back. They were they were let down. And I, I said, well, we're just going to, because I was just fresh out of high school or whatever. I was still a kid. I said, we're going to turn this into the biggest party. So I cut the security rope down, uh, started dancing with everybody, jumping up on the stage, dancing, grabbed the fiddle one time. Uh, everybody couldn't wait for me to play the fiddle. I hit it a couple of times across with that bow. Give the fiddle back, Sam. Boy, I gave it back. Ended up dancing on top of a seven-foot speaker on top of the stage and jumped all the way down to the floor, hit the floor dancing, went over on the side of the stage and was talking to Mike Davis. And I was doing my best Dusty Rhodes in person. This is my baby Mike Davis. I'm gonna tell you something, baby. This party this this, this concept mind but it's a damn good party. You know? <laughs> and then I'm looking at Mike and I'm talking like Dusty and his eyes were getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And I was like, I looked at my guy and I just said, he's right behind me, ain't he? And he, and he just said, yeah. I turned around and Dusty said, you finished the my night, baby. <laughs> you know, oh, it just, oh, it just, you know, it just it rocked my world. So I went to the matches the next night and he, it was a real, he told me, he said, no, he said, He's already got me booked in the Carolinas. I'm going to I start on uh, January the 2nd on 84 in the Carolinas. Mm -hmm. So I made the trip up to the Carolinas, got moved in, uh, and uh, went from there. Now, who did, My who, first show was Fayetteville. 
Okay. Okay. So, you, what was you, what was Eddie Graham like? Because you did were down in in championship wrestling from Florida before we get to the Carolinas. Uh, because you, you, it was only just a short time later, just a few years uh, after you you initially left the Florida territory. That uh, of course uh, the unfortunate tragedy with Eddie uh, taking his life. But what what can you remember? Did you have much interaction w- with Eddie? Uh, and who else uh, did you kind of hang out with aside from 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 Dusty down there uh, in in Florida? That kind of you know kind of helped you you know along, along the way. Florida. It was uh, Mike Rotundo, me, Mike Davis, Hector Guerrero, uh, Barry. Uh, you know everybody. They were, you know because you were you're a tight little family, you know, and everybody looked out after each other's backs. Uh, you know, and, and you're on the road together. You might as well have some fun, right? I mean, yeah, and, and to be so young like that too, and you guys must have had some really uh, fun, fun road trips and, and fun adventures. Oh, uh, that's fun what I was kind of getting. Road trips were fun, but what happened was, um, I started riding. Um, oh gosh, I, I was staying down there. The motel there was killing me. So the fellow that uh, that uh, had the merchandising did the merchandising. We decided we got us an apartment together, and uh, he had to drive merchandise the you know all the t-shirts and everything else and I, I didn't mind getting to the matches early and I didn't have to pay him transportation so when I didn't ride with Davis or Mike we all, it was usually Mike Davis driving I think Rotundo only drove a couple of times he Rotundo didn't drive too much you were driving or or, or <laughs> he just didn't drive all that much um, usually me or Mike Davis is doing driving but anyway, uh, I would ride with Alfie some, and then be Hector, and you know this one or that one or that one. Well, they started uh, trying to pull ribs on me and uh, me and Alfie, and Hector Guerrero come up and told me. He said, "Sam, he said they're you know, cause he'd been riding in a car with him. He said they're they're gonna get you. He said don't be second best. He's talking about ribbing me." So when he said, don't be second best, well, he kind of, you know, he, he let me know the battle was coming, and it was. I mean, they were, they were trying to pull ribs on me. I didn't put their ribs over, but then they'd be sitting at, they'd be sitting at the railroad tracks waiting on a train, and out of nowhere, a bucket of old Kentucky Fried Chicken bones would come through over the, through their sunroof on top of them. <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, I remember one time they stopped at a Yeehaw Junction, and because I, 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 I was, I was, I was followed about, you know, <laughs> they stopped at a, uh, they stopped at the uh, Yeehaw Junction or the convenience store, went to go in. When they got in, I stole all their dip, everybody's dip, every can of Copenhagen Skull or, or Grizzly, whatever, because they all, uh, they all dipped it. And they complained about me smoking, but they're all dipping. Anyway, I stole all of it, so. So we're riding down the road. As I pass them up on the on the uh, turnpike, they're flipping me off, you know, laughing and everything. I held up the dip when I held up the dog. <laughs> them boys were frantic, <laughs> you know, <they laughs> pull over. Or when you leave the matches one night, or when you leave the matches one night, and uh, Mike Davis had to peel because I I did them individually. Barry Windham bumper stickers across Mike Davis's windshield. You had to peel each one of them off. Oh, my God. <laughs> well, uh, one night they came in, Mike Rotundo, Mike Davis. I think those were the only two. 
uh, with uh, pictures. I, I, had ta- I had gotten some helium, a helium container, and I had uh, blown up a hundred, well, I guess, I, I was going to say it was a hundred, but it wasn't a hundred condoms. But it was a whole lot of condoms that I blew up with helium and tied them up and put pictures of their faces on them in the dressing room. Uh, that was a good one. Uh, that was in West Palm. But yeah, uh, you know, we'd, we'd pull pranks back and forth each other all the time. It was great. It was good fun. Who were some of the guys that you found in Crockett that were, uh, you know, uh, pretty pretty easy targets for a rib or some that you were uh, co-conspirating with uh, to, to pull a rib off? Uh, there had well, to been that... Well, okay, Angelo Mosca was a bully, you know, uh, and I mean the guy he, the guy was a bully, and and he would he would only rib rib guys that wouldn't rib him back, and uh, the only t- uh, the only time I tried to co-conspirator with anybody is Mosca had let, locked uh, old Horowitz's wrestling bag, his duffel bag, to a big iron pole. And then Mark Fleming, he uh, he put uh, oh gosh, master locks on all of the uh, belt loops on his Jordache jeans, you know. And when Mosca put the locks on my my uh, on my pull straps on my boots, well, I went to go get even. I asked them if they wanted any part of it, and they said no. So I went ahead and got it myself, you know. Poor guy. Uh, he ended up uh, well. Have I told y'all the story on this before? No, no, I haven't heard this one before. So uh, oh, oh, please, please, okay. please. Yeah. Well, anyway, he he put he, he locked Barry Horowitz's uh, bag to a pipe. He locked Mark Fleming's Jordache jeans, and he put uh, master locks on my bootstraps on a pair of brand new yearskin boots that my mom had bought me for Christmas. And I was mad. I had to wear my wrestling boots home. It was like four hundred miles that night from some place up in Virginia in the mountains. So a couple of weeks later, we were in, up in another little town in Virginia, up in the mountains. I had seven cans of shaving cream on me, and I got even with Mosca that night. You know, when he come back, uh, Pez Watley and, and Jimmy Valiant were dying in the dressing room. But I was already, I did my damage with the shaving cream. And uh, when Mosca comes back from the ring, he sees a pile of shaving cream on his flip-flops, on his shower shoes. Ha, 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 kid got me. Ha, 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 ha. Starts talking about Canadian football league, you know, his his football days, you know, and uh, takes his shower and everything comes back. Well, he sits down, he goes to smoke a cigarette. When he hits the cigarette, it doesn't come out of the pack. He hits it again, doesn't come out of the pack. Pez Watley was telling me all this on the way back. So then he pulled one out and it shot across the room and stuck to the locker. So all of his nicotine, he couldn't get his, you know, so cigarettes were full of shaving cream. So he throws them down. He opens another pack. That one's all got shaving cream in it, too. Uh, he, then he went for his skull, his backup. Puts his skull in his, in his lip, and I had used a, a wintergreen gel in the, uh, in the skull. So his mouth started foaming up as what he told me. He was started went nuts again, saying he didn't mess with my things and that he was going to kill me and he's kicking lockers at this time. So then he goes in the showers. He comes back from the shower. He pulls his pants on. When he pulls his pants on, all the shaving cream in the in the pocket oozes out with all his money and his license. And yeah, he was he was a bit upset. He ended up having to shower again then. And then 
he's still talking, he's still putting my rib over, you know, and then cooling down and going back to football days. And then the next bit, bit hits when the next, when the last bit hit, he come out of the uh, he come through his his t shirt looking like a garden gnome with a little hat and a little beard and everything. <clears throat> so he went to uh, a couple of days later. He filled my hat up with water. I was come I was just wrestled in Asheville, getting ready to come out of the ring. Here comes Wahoo walking up to the dressing room. I mean, to the ring. And uh, I jump out of the ring, and I'm by the dressing, uh, by the security railing. Wahoo says, "Hey, kid, don't put your hat on when you go in there." He said, "Mosca filled it up with water." And I said, oh, "Okay, that's all right. It's a beaver fur hat. It'll be all right." So I walk back to the dressing room, dump my hat out. Wahoo comes in there and says, "Hey, kid, is that a beaver fur?" I said, "Yeah." He goes, "Well, I got a hair a hair dryer." You know, and uh, he said, you're working at Charlotte tonight, right? I said, yeah, double show. So I give him my hat, and he plugs the hair dryer, a dryer in right by Mosca, and he's blowing my hat dry right on Mosca. Oh, my. He want Mosca to do something. Wahoo did not like him. There was no respect. Uh, so um, anyway, uh, we get to Charlotte that night. Mosca goes to Crockett, says, I've got two weeks left. That kid better not be booked on any of those shows. He said, or I'm gone. Well, he was a you know headliner, and I was I was an underneath guy, so I got two weeks off. Well, that two weeks, you know, that that, that was hard for me to take. And Wahoo calls me up, and he says, what are you doing today, kid? I said, I got the night off. He said, yeah, I know. He said, well, hey, he said, tonight's Mosca's last night. He said, I'm in Richmond. He said, uh, all right. he goes, it's in Richmond. Do you want to go? I said, sure. You know, so uh, I said, it's going to take me a, a few minutes. And he said, yeah, take what you need. Come on up. So I went and I met Wah- uh, Wahoo up at his place. When we got to Richmond, and uh, he told me, he said, okay, kid. He said, I'll go check everything out. He comes back. He said, okay, kid. Mosca got himself put on third cause so he can get out of here and get because he's driving to Toronto tonight. <clears throat> I said, okay. So I jacked up the back of Mosca's Cadillac. Now, Mosca's Cadillac, he's got everything that he owns in that back, back end of that car. Everything. You know, it's all loaded down. It's sitting low to the ground and everything. So the shocks are all the way compressed. I didn't have to jack his, the back end up, the axle up very high. I just put some blocks underneath of it to get the wheels on the ground and let it let back down. I put a little bit of oil underneath there so the wheels would just spin. <laughs> but it looked like the back wheels were on the ground, touching the ground. Um, I painted his uh, headlights black. I spread 75 pounds of horse manure on his leather seats, because I worked at gas stations. I know how to operate a Slim Jim, you know, get in a lot car. Mm-hmm. So I knew how to do things like that. Well, I got a, uh, I put 75 pounds of horse manure on his, uh, on his uh, leather car seats. So anyway, make a long story short, Mosca comes out. Oahu says he got put on 30, so, you know, got to come back out. I was like, okay. So I'm hiding in Mosca's Bronco. I mean, not, not Mosca's Bronco, Wahoo's Bronco. And I see Mosca coming out, carrying his wrestling bag, got his towel in his hand, he gets to his car. 
He opens his trunk. He lays, he lays his wrestling bag out flat, smashes it out as flat as he can, and gets his trunk closed. He goes, goes over there, towel in his hand. He opens his car door up. Well, he opens his car door up. Moscow is a big guy, and, and big guys, if you get in a car wrong, your, your hip will pop out of socket. So Moscow used to get in the car like my dad did. He would back up to the seat, sit down, and then turn both of his legs together in the, underneath the wheel. So he sat down in the horse manure and went nuts. Oh, he come on, He's screaming and hollering in the tunnel underneath the Coliseum. Oh, it was great. And he's looking around the parking lot to see if he can see anybody. So he takes his towel and he starts, when he realizes what it is, he wiping all of his, uh, his car out. He, oh, he was mad. Wipes himself off, throws the towel down outside, uh, sits back in the car, sticks a key in the ignition, cranks it up. He's getting ready to close his door, but he turns his lights on. But there's no light shining on the wall. So oh, my. out of his car, and he walks, over, walks around to the front of the car, and his headlights are spray-painted spray black. Oh my. That, that's a nice little cherry on top. Uh, that's a nice little cherry on top of that. That that oh, yeah. I mean, you already had the horse manure uh, weighing down this car. He stepped in it, and now you can't. You spray painted the. Jeez, oh, this takes dedication. It's like oh. a craftsman here. Oh, oh, I'm, oh! I take my ribs serious. So he's got like a little plastic ice scraper. So he's got that little ice scraper, and he's trying to scrape off and get any kind of you know whatever he can light out of it. He can. So he, he, he's, he's got some of it scraped off. So he goes back, gets in his car again, cranks it up. He's sitting here. He's wanting to go. He closes the door. He drops it in reverse. When he drops it in reverse, the tires just spin. The one back tire just uh, spins. He's like, what? Why? He can't figure it out. He puts his car in park. He gets out. He looks down underneath his car, sees the blocks on both sides. Okay, that's not the beauty of this, y'all. The beauty is this. It's now the last match is going into the ring, right? This man, a jack and a, a jack in your uh, 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 tire iron and all that stuff in a Cadillac is under everything. That man had to pay, pull everything he owned and it was scattered all in the parking lot and the matches are going to be over and about 3,000 people are going to be running down there. So he was in a mad rush and he didn't make it. Oh, so people are down there and they're booing and he's got the tire. He's trying to back him up. Oh, it was, it was classic. Oh, it was beautiful. It was beautiful. Finally, he jacks the car. He gets the blocks out from the one side. He didn't even worry about the other side. He gets his stuff back in his car. Wahoo comes walking out. Wahoo gets in the Bronco with me. He says, what's going on, kid? I tell him it's been great. As we go drive by, I raise up Wahoo's Bronco, and I wave the dance and said, hey, you know, 
I didn't see Ants for four years when I saw him in the dressing room in Toronto. Four years later, he just, hey, 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 we're okay, aren't we, kid? And I was like, it depends on you. you oh, know? wow. Mosca's one of them ones that really needed it. Mm-hmm. You know? this, this is rat. You know, you don't want to, see, on, on a little rib like that, you know, uh, if you're going to make it count, you want it to have stages and take time to unfold. Oh, this was like a well, well played out uh, sequence. This is wrestling memories then and now. We're talking with Sam Houston. Uh, of course, I'm Glenn Broggett, along with uh, the grizzled vet Michael McCurdy. As we're heading into our uh, final frame here, uh, I want to ask. Go back to uh, to Wahoo in regards to ribs. Was, was there just kind of a, a level of respect for Wahoo that we, you didn't want to f with with Wahoo, or did, did he uh, did he end up being a victim of any sort of rib from anybody else, whether it be you or somebody, or did people kind of keep mind? their P's and Q's. Were there guys like Wahoo that, that people mind their, their P's and Q's on, or was everybody... Yeah, I mean, yeah, you know, Ron Bass, like, he didn't, you know, you know guys, look at the guys that are going to rib and the ones that aren't. The ones that don't want to rib, that you don't mess with them. You know, you respect them that way. If they are the happy-go-lucky and they do like to rib, you know, then you can get in, you know, rib fights with them, rib wars. But somebody like, like Ron Bass, Ron didn't like ribs, and, you know, and and he uh, and he didn't pull any, but don't you know? And don't pull one on him because he's coming at you with everything he's got. If you do, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. now uh, I, I I'm going to bring it over uh, to Mike here here shortly. But I I have one one more question uh, sure. for for you here, Sam. Before I I hand it off. Uh, uh, the Great American Bash, 1985. Uh, I, I have to, because this was one of the questions I, I was wondering, because I was watching uh, the Mid-Atlantic shows. Uh, you were on a big event uh, in Charlotte that was main evented with Ric Flair and Nikita Koloff. What I want to talk about is not the, uh, the, the some of the matches per se, but I want to talk about some of the the, uh, the events that were going on that included David Allen Coe, because, I mean, you have a country connection here with some of your stories and in, in the life you've led. But what do you remember about that year of 85, that summer, especially in regards to that big Charlotte uh, outdoor stadium show with uh, not only the wrestling but the David Allen Coe concert because uh, as far as outlaws go David Allen Coe is uh, definitely uh, tried and true you don't have to question his uh, oh, bona fides well, matter of fact I'll give you a, uh, he and his wife listened to the song the other night oh well my song the other night yeah um, I, I contacted him the other day I'd taken it to um, my girlfriend Heather right uh, gosh yeah, a couple of weeks ago, well, Heather suffers from epilepsy. She was having several seizures a day when I came into her life. I was in her life a long time ago. Um, and I, up here in North Texas, we kind of hooked up, and, and uh, we've been hanging out. Well, she suffers from epilepsy now, and she'd been having six or seven major, like five, six-minute-long seizures a day. I was having to do the sternum rub, everything to pull her out of some of them. Had to take her to the emergency room five times in one week. They had her on 16 different kind of medications two times a day, some of them four times a day. Uh, they were giving her uppers and downers both at the same time. They were giving her psych- psychotic meds. Well, uh, I did some praying to Jesus about 10 weeks ago, and, and Jesus took that. Uh, she's medication now for eight weeks. She, we 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 spent that first two weeks weaning her off of medication, and then after that, she's been medication free now for eight eight weeks. She's been 
seizure-free while she's had three minor seizures. Nothing compared to what it had been. Nothing compared to what it had been. Uh, and, um, I mean, that's, that, that, that's his power. Well, she was having, uh, I found out Charlie Daniels was playing at Billy Bob's. So I went down to Billy Bob's and I went and I talked to some of the Charlie Daniels people, but I didn't get to see Charlie. Uh, he hadn't arrived yet. Uh, when the music started, uh, Heather, uh, felt with epilepsy, you're not, you don't need to be around the loud music and the flashing lights and everything else. She started feeling hot. So I went ahead and got her out of there, you know, and, uh, I drove back to North Texas and we were sitting here and I was sitting here on the step one day and, uh, just something I was going through my phone and I ran across David's phone number. So I called him up and talked to his wife. Uh, that afternoon for quite a while, we talked quite a bit about Jesus. We talked a, a lot about the great American bashes too. And that was a high time in David's life. And the, not the first one, not 85, but 86. Uh, a lot of people don't know, but David's father died on the road with us. Doing the, uh, doing while the great American bash was, you know, and David shipped, had the body shipped home, and, uh, oh, I guess, the funeral home held the body uh, until the tour was over, of course. But he, David didn't miss a show, he, you know, I mean, when they say the show doesn't go on, he, he, he did it, you know. And then a couple of years ago, I took him out, with, you know, on stage at the Texas Club, when I saw him again there, <clears throat> and we were talking. And the guy was like 82 years old I, I, with his walker and everything else. I carried him out on the stage, and what a concert he still puts on. That is amazing that, that they, those old guys, uh, they, they still have that magic, and they're still able to, you know, they may get, be getting frail, but once you put them on a stage or you put a mic in front of them, that, that charisma, that magic, that those old days definitely come out tried and true, uh, especially in the case of guys like David Allen Coe. Well, I'm going to bring it over to Michael McCurdy here, uh, the grizzled vet, uh, to ask a question or two uh, before uh, we wrap up today. Uh, Mike, uh, what else do you have? Uh, do you have any more questions here for Mr. Sam Houston today? Well, Sam, since we had you on last, we've lost a few uh, of the boys in the business. Jim Neidhart, Nikolai Volkov, Brickhouse Brown, all passed. I'm going to assume, you know, WWF, USWA, you've had a chance to work with these gentlemen. I was wondering if you could share any stories about, you know, working with the Anvil, Nikolai, and Brickhouse. Maybe share a few stories about them. Oh, well, uh, Brickhouse and I, we traveled, uh, we, we rode together a lot with uh, Tommy Young. He was one of the referees in Mid-Atlantic. He did a lot of driving. So Brickhouse and I used to, we ride with him. We never worked together or anything. But we, you know, we talked a lot. We had fun a lot. And I, I know we joked a lot and everything. And I'd known Brickhouse uh, before. I'd, I'd met him before I got to Mid-Atlantic. I think he'd come through Louisiana. Um but yeah, it basically just kind of like on the road. Nothing really stands out. I mean, I knew he was always a gentleman. He was always, uh, and that's one of the things I would like to say about the end. You know, um, the independent guys, man, uh, for the independent circuits, please dress well when you're going to the matches. This is an event where that you're that you're emulated at. Don't show up like you just come out the trailer park. 
you know, show up in slacks or nice clothes. Be proud of what you are. Uh, you know, uh, you, you want to look at a world champion, and just because you, you're carrying a belt in the, to, the, to the building doesn't make you a world champion. It's a whole thing. It's all, you know, you know, I don't know. But anyway, <laughs> I, I try to digress. Nikolai Volkov, I knew him when he, when he first started. He was one of the Mongols with Bill Eady. Uh, uh, I believe he was uh, Beppo. Well, it was Beppo and Guido. I'm not sure which one was which. But I've known Nikolai for a long time, since the early 70s. Uh, and then later on, yeah, uh, working with Vince. But I knew I knew him before then. Um, and then I worked with Nikolai. I uh, worked with him several times. And Nikolai was always, you know, he was a great guy to me. You know, and he he did like the rib. Uh, and then, uh, who was the other one you said? Oh, Neidhart, yeah. Jim and I, Jim and I, we traveled a lot together. Well, when he was in Mid-South, before he went to work for Vince, uh, uh, I, I got to know him down there when I was working at the gas stations and stuff. And then when I broke in, yeah, of course, we we hung out together there because we we did a lot of the same things. We partied hard, we drove fast, and we liked fun things, you know. Uh, we went rent Ford probes and drive, drive all over the place. But uh, Jim, he was so strong. That guy was so strong. And and he was he was short for my stature, so whenever he would go to throw me across across the ring into the turnbuckles, man, it was a fight for me to stay on my feet because he was dragging me straight down to the mat. You know, the, the guy the guy was a great guy. Uh, I love him to death. I love his daughter to death. She's a, she's an awesome competitor. And she's a, a nice lady too. But uh, uh, yeah, I, I I I hate seeing so many of them go like this. You know, um, but it's it's like, you know, nothing is promised to us. And when it's your time to go, it's your time to go. And when it's my time, you know, I just hope that people will look back and think think of me and smile a little bit. Say, hey, he was pretty all right. I know you're a frequent attendee of the uh, Cauliflower Alley Club reunion. In fact, that's where we met, I believe. I want to say it was 2014 uh, when I met you the first yeah, time. Yeah, Barbara, the, the Barbara Goodish time, was there. Right. Um, that was okay. I had just gotten out of prison, you know, and uh, the, you know that was just an awesome thing for me because, you know, I just gotten out. Uh, I was being pushed away at everything, you know. Oh, you're a convict. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry, you know. But I did my time, you know. It's kind of like you need to get over it. So, but and, but when I got to the CACs, I mean, I was in, I was I was part of the family, you know, and it was great, I, and it's been great every year since. And I can't wait for this year. Now, were you were you at the uh, the banquet at the uh, reunion this year, back in May? Yeah, this, this yeah April? this past year. I had to fly out, so I, I didn't get to do the banquet. I didn't get to stay for the banquet, but I had to fly out that Wednesday, right, you know, right before it all was going on, because I had the event here. What well, I'd like to ask what is, that um, right? We were talking about Brickhouse for a minute. You mentioned that he was, uh, you know, a gentleman, nice guy, and all that. Brickhouse, I believe, was from what I've heard. I wasn't there, unfortunately. Was kind of one of the highlights of the night with his speech. They they gave him a. 
a recognition with the CAC, you know, before he passed. And yeah. I was wondering if you were there and just kind of what was the uh, the emotion in the room that night? Oh, uh, oh I, I couldn't tell you because I wasn't in the room. You know, I, I would have loved to have been. Oh, you know. Uh, but I, I wasn't in there. Um, but I, I know if it was full of the emotion they're talking about, it was full of love for him. You know. Now, if you don't, if you don't mind my asking, um, how's how, how's the uh, how's Jake doing? I know you know last uh, year the the movie about his life came out, and you know we've been hearing a lot about kind of an upswing for him. If you don't mind my asking. Yeah, I, I I hear he's doing good. Matter of fact, I'm going to be calling him in about uh, about an hour and a half. Uh, he he uh, sent a message that he'd like me to give him a shout, so I'm going to give him a holler and see what's up. I don't I, I try not to step on anybody's toes. They don't you know if they don't like to be called or whatever, because the one thing I hate to do is call somebody and, and them not want to talk to me, you know and. Uh, but I hear he's doing good, I know. Uh, I mean, I'm not sure financially this, that, or the other what's going on. I know I saw him at WrestleMania uh, when when the, he had the uh, incident with, with Harry Smith, uh, and that's the last I'd seen him. I talked to him once because over the summer, oh, gosh, this one's something, something to get your teeth sunk into. 39 years ago, my sister, my oldest, uh, uh, my half-sister, was kidnapped and, and, well, we thought killed. We're not sure now. Our, this private detective reached out to me from Tampa, Florida, and told me that my sister may still be alive. And if that's true, there's a third. So I, I reached out to him one time since then and told him about that. And I guess he talked to the, the private detective. I've talked to the private detective. Uh, my sister's talked to him. Everybody in the family's talked to him. He's found some interesting things out, but then now he said, oh, well, I'll let you know Thursday. Thursday comes around, and now, uh, you know, you can't can't get a hold of him. Uh, his phone's been disconnected and everything else, so I'm wondering if he was trying to look up some old trash or trying to figure out something or something. I don't know. It's just a, just a long story, but that's that's the last time I'd reached out. And uh, we spoke briefly, about 10 minutes, and then uh, said, well, I'll hurt you later. I just found out that uh, he wanted me to give him a shout, so I'm going to call him up today. I'll let you know, though. You know, well, well tell, him, tell, him Glenn and I, tell him Glenn and I say hi, and maybe uh, you can put in a good word for us. Maybe we can have Jake on a future episode of uh, Rush. I, I sure would, you know. Yeah, uh, I don't know if if he does a lot of the podcasts or shows, but I'll definitely get the information because you guys are great. Now I want to do anything I can to help you guys. Well, thank you so yeah. much, um, uh, Sam. Also, yeah, it also helps me get the word out. Um, for the fans out there, if you want to reach out to me or follow me or whatever, uh, you can follow me on Facebook. My personal page is Michael Sam Houston. Um, but it, I've got 5,000 friends, so, uh, but I'm a public figure. I've, it's made open to everyone, so everybody can see my page. Uh, so you don't have to be a friend. Then we have Sam Houston Fan Nation is another page. Uh, and, and then God's got a hold on me. 
So, so great ways to get a hold of you, Sam. And it looks like that the timekeeper's giving me the look on the wall. We have reached our uh, our limit here for this edition of Wrestling Memories. Sam, we're going to have well, to have we you. Did a Broadway, all right. Yeah, this is like the third it's straight Broadway with you. When you're not taking any bumps, huh? <laughs> third straight Broadway with Sam Houston. Sam, come back again. We got to get maybe get you in here. Uh, if not uh, the end of this year, maybe early next, and we could uh, do some more talking. We could just uh, pull we out a period. Pull out hey, a please send, I want to send a shout out to all, everybody out there. Hey, check out Salvation by Sam Houston on, on YouTube. Give it a listen. Give it a like. You know, I, I'm sure it'll encourage you, empower you, and give you the strength to get through whatever you're going to. Guys, yeah, I love you guys, and thank you all so very much. All right. For Sam Houston and the Grizzled Vet, Michael McCurdy, this has been Wrestling Memories Then and Now.